This is a Federal News Network podcast. As federal agencies dust off their continuity of operations plans in light of the coronavirus threat, contractors are also thinking about their own immediate futures. Joining me with a list of possibilities and how to deal with them, attorney Michelle Coleman of the law firm Kroll Mooring. Ms. Coleman, good to have you on. Thank you. Kroll Mooring has published a kind of workbook for contractors to follow, but let's start with what the potential impacts really are of coronavirus. Should the government shut down or have some issue, how could that affect contractors? We do not know the extent of the impact of the coronavirus. We certainly hope that the impact of the virus will be minimal, but contractors should prepare for potential impacts nonetheless. There are many potential impacts, for example, access to federal facilities. For example, NASA and the Air Force have announced that it will be testing telework capabilities on Friday, March 6th. Now, whether the test is due to the coronavirus or just general emergency preparedness planning, these agencies and likely others to follow are just making sure that they can maintain operations should an emergency that prevents people from going into the office occurs. If, for example, the agency requires its employees to telework, this could delay contractors' performance if employees are not available, government employees are not available, for scheduled tests, evaluation, program reviews, or other contract oversight. Yeah, so really it's the interpersonal communications that happen in the context of these types of reviews that could really be harmed, it sounds like you're saying. Absolutely. Um, It's just uh, we want to make sure that contractors are prepared, that they're making their plans, that they're making their plans known to their employees and that they're making and sharing those plans with the government um, so that both parties are aware of what's going on um, and remain in constant contact. I guess the difference here is it's not a federal shutdown because of lapse of appropriations should this happen so that you can still teleconference and federal employees can still do their work even though they're not on premises. That's the fundamental difference here. Yeah, that's the that's fundamental difference. Um, certainly, if the government issues a stop work or if the government were to shut down, um, that would uh, kind of change the analysis. But generally, if the government's open and con- and government employees are able to telework, um, that should allow work to continue absent any work that actually has to be performed on site, such as testing or evaluation or um, contract meetings that can't be performed via um, video teleconferencing capabilities. And what are the implications if you have employees that are on site at the federal customer and they're doing programming or they're doing operational type things? What is the status then if the government agency physically is shut down? Does that mean you don't get paid for work that's not being done or what? Well, I think um, it just depends on what kind of contract the contractor has and what kind of work they're performing. If the contractor is able to continue performance, um, notwithstanding the fact that work um, should that would ordinarily occur on the government's um, site or on a government facility is unable to occur. I guess if you're providing, say, security guards and the building is closed, that's tough luck. Potentially. Um, for contractors who have firm fixed price contracts, for example, and they're providing security guards, and they're able to work, and they're paid on a monthly basis, for example, and perhaps they work you know, three or four days, maybe a couple weeks out of the month, but maybe they aren't able to work the latter half of the month, there's a possibility that the government still um, is going to be required to pay that fixed price amount because some work was performed during that month. Um, other contract types might not be so, that payment may not be provided. Got it. And what if the contractor's own offices have to shut down, but say the agency is in Phoenix or something and the offices that shut down are in Alexandria, Virginia, then I guess that's probably has less implication for 
contract performance? Yeah, that sounds like it. I mean, it sounds like the um, government and the contractor in that instance are already working um, remotely um, and still able to maintain operations. And so whatever the government or the contractor is doing will probably remain the same, except the contractor employees and the government employees won't actually be in their physical work sites. In some sense, we're probably better off in 2021 with this kind of thing because everybody has really well-developed telework capabilities that 20, 30 years ago, it was a little tougher, wasn't it? Absolutely. 20 or 30 years ago, this may have shut down the entire government operation, um, assuming that the government wasn't wasn't able to work or come into their offices. We're speaking with Michelle Coleman. She's an attorney with Kroll Mooring. And let's talk about the toolkit. One of the things I noticed in there that you're publishing is some important questions that contractors should be asking their government customers right now. What are those questions? Absolutely. Um, The choices contractors make to respond to the coronavirus could have contractual implications. So it's very important that that these questions are asked to the government. And if there's any government direction that results from these conversations, that the contractor actually um, keeps a record of that direction. Um, But some of those questions might be just a general, if you haven't already done so, does the government have an emergency preparedness plan? And if so, if it's able to share that plan with the contractor, um, what is the government's contingency plan to ensure that performance continues if government personnel are unable to report to work. Um, Other questions could be, you know, how the government intends to communicate emergency information to contractors and subcontractors if such um, notification isn't spelled out in the contract. Yeah, so really communication at this point is key. And who should you communicate with, the contracting officer or should you talk to the program people? Because they're the ones ultimate, that's the ultimate customer. Absolutely. Always talk to the contracting officer whenever there's going to be an issue that's going to impact contract performance, but certainly you want to keep your program, uh, the government's program manager and the program team abreast of any developments that may occur. And what about the labor or management or perhaps if you have a unionized workforce, some of the contractual possibilities that could come up when people's work is interrupted or curtailed in some way? There are a lot of potential labor and employment issues, um, and we won't be able to discuss them all here, but some of them are just considering how to handle compensation for hourly non-exempt employees and salaried employees in the event that the government stops performance or suspends performance. Um, If work isn't performing, contractors need to consider whether a worker adjustment and retraining notification, what's known as a WARN Act notice, is required. Um, That's generally required um, and applies to layoffs of 50 or more employees. So these are the sorts of questions that contractors need to be asking themselves and considering um, to ensure that they're able to kind of weather the storm of the impact of the coronavirus. So basically, there's a lot of variables here, and not simply whether the government is open or closed or the offices are open or closed, but the nature of the contracting work and the nature of the types of employees doing it really means you have to consider each case, it sounds like, on a case-by-case basis. That's absolutely correct, and it's very important that contractors understand that. Um, Take a look at their contract, work with their government customer to make sure that they are minimizing any impacts that may result due to the coronavirus. Suppose someone goes to work at a federal agency or they come back and they've got coronavirus, then what happens? 
Well, um, I think the most important thing is to immediately notify the government that one of the contractor's employees has contracted the coronavirus and that they've worked at the government facility. I think that's important. What's important is to make sure that the contractor has a good internal system um, for emergency notification, um, whether that's a point of contact at the contractor's facilities um, or within the company, or even a hotline where employees can call in and let the co company know what's going on, how they've been impacted by the coronavirus, or even family members, because if a family member contracts the coronavirus, that employee then goes into work not realizing since the incubation period is so long, um, that could have potential impacts to uh, work employees that are working with that, um, that employee and on that government site. So the smart companies then are having meetings this morning, really, to plan what could happen here because nobody really knows. But you want to be prepared. You don't want to look like, say, some people say the CDC looked and caught kind of not ready to roll. Absolutely. You want to have a plan. It's important to have a plan, not just for um, your employment, for your contract with the government, but also just so that your employees know that you're taking this seriously, that you, uh, the companies know what they're doing um, and are able to respond quickly to emergency situations. Michelle Coleman is an attorney with Kroll Mooring. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to that contractor contingency toolkit at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.